Justin Shears and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. You're my kind of girl, you make me feel proud. John Lennon and Paul McCartney are generally regarded as the greatest songwriting team of the 20th century, if not the history of popular music. Their prolific output not only kept the Beatles going for close to a decade, but there were plenty of songs left over, admittedly not always their best tunes, to keep other artists in the business. Way back in episode 16, we took a listen to some of the songs that the Beatles gave away to other artists. In the early years, many were fellow Liverpoolians or just friends of the band. In this episode, we'll explore some more of the songs that were donated to others, this time many of them written by Paul, and recorded by a very diverse range of recording artists for a very diverse range of projects.
That Means A Lot, a song credited in the standard way to Lennon and McCartney, but mostly written by Paul. It was written for potential inclusion in the Help soundtrack, with rehearsals and a single take being recorded on the 20th of February 1965. With multiple overdubs to follow, the Beatles felt the track wasn't up to scratch. A remake recorded on the 20th of March shared the same fate. Indeed, Paul later commented that it was a song which just didn't sound finished, and John lamented at the time that he and Paul just couldn't sing it, so they may as well give it to someone who could. Enter one PJ Proby. PJ Proby hailed from Houston, Texas, and in the early 1960s was writing and recording demos for the likes of Elvis Presley, Bobby V and Johnny Burnett. After being introduced to British record and television producer Jack Good, Proby travelled to Britain at the height of Beatlemania and even secured a guest spot on Around the Beatles, the band's first television special produced by Jack Good. Liking what he saw, manager Brian Epstein snapped up Proby and added him to his folio of recording artists. Proby is probably most famous, or perhaps infamous, for a particular live show in Croydon, London in January 1965, during which his trousers split, across the knees mind you, which resulted in him being banned from most British theatres as well as the BBC. DJ, welcome. Nice to have you here. Thank you very much, Pleasant Beaver. May I ask you, when you went to England from Texas, did you wear your hair that way? Uh, yes, I did. It wasn't quite this long, but it was getting there. <laughs> no, the most interesting thing to me when I was there, you're probably the most controversial entertainer in England. Why? Um, what have you done to cause all this turmoil? A lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a troublemaker, really? Oh, I have been known to be one, you know. But, no, actually, it's, uh... It's just that I, I uh, stand up for my rights, that's all, and uh, it seems anybody who stands up for their rights seems to get in trouble all the time in any field of business. It's been bound to happen. You're a single-minded individual. Let, let me switch to England for a second. Are you going back soon? Yes, we're leaving Thursday. Now, when you are there, aside, let, let me discount you. You are certainly one of the biggest stars there. Who causes the most excitement there now? Uh, I think the Rolling Stones probably do. I think that's kind of consistent with what I've heard. I don't think going to take the Beatles' place, but the Rolling Stones are uh, causing the most excitement. In September 1965, after several UK top 10 hits, Proby was offered That Means A Lot by Brian Epstein. Naturally, the track was recorded at EMI Studios and produced by Ron Richards, the man who suggested the Beatles record How Do You Do It back in 1962, and later discovered and produced The Hollies and the song was arranged by none other than George Martin. Perhaps a reflection of the trouser controversy, the song only made it to number 24 on the NME charts. A friend says that your love won't mean a lot And you knew 
Paul and Jane Asher were still very much an item, and Jane's brother Peter had already received significant help from Paul for his pop duo, Peter and Gordon. Well Without Love had gone straight to number one, and while the next two Beatles cast-offs, Nobody I Know and I Don't Want to See You Again, had not fared as well, they still kept Peter and Gordon in the charts, and earned a little extra money for John and Paul. By 1966, Peter and Gordon were keen to shake off the reputation of only having hits because of the names Lennon and McCartney being on their record labels. So a cunning plan was hatched. Paul had, had written a number of hits for us, you know, and he came uh, and he'd written the song and thought it would be successful for us. So he came and uh, asked us if we wanted to sing it. But um, he said that, he, you know, people kept saying, oh, well, these songs are only hits because they've got Len McCartney's name on them. They don't even have to write good songs anymore. So he said to us that he'd like to find out if it could still be a hit without his name on it. And we replied, We'd love to have a hit without your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, actually, what you said, it was Bernard Webb in England. And over here, it was someone called A. Smith. Yeah, they used a different pseudonym over here for some okay, reason. But 
And the when, facade collapsed pretty quick, by the way. But, but, long, but it stayed long enough to prove that it could be a hit under another name. Yeah, but when the, when the record came out, one of the reporters said, this stinks of Paul McCartney. This question is directed to Paul and John. You have written uh, quite a few numbers for Peter and Gordon, and I understand they don't like it because they think that it's you writing the song that makes it popular. Do you plan to write any more songs for them? Uh, they, you know, if we write songs for they ask us to write songs for them if we do it. I mean, they don't mind it. They like it, but it's... People come up and say, ah, we see you're just getting in on the Lennon-McCartney bandwagon. That's, that's why um, they did that one with, with our names not on it, woman. Because everyone sort of thinks that's the reason they get hits. It's not true, really. very first time we ever did it and it was very dry mm. just little mm. with like about eight violins very but very dry you know like mm. really sound like a little string quartet you know woman do you love me woman if you need me How I'm doing What shall I say Things are okay Well I know that they're not And I still may have lost You woman Do you love me Woman Take your time and tell me When we're alone Love will come home I would give up the world If you say that my girl Is my woman 
got plenty of time. Plenty of time just to get through it. Once again, you'll be mine. Recorded on the 1st of December 1965, the first, more laid-back version of Woman. It's believed that Paul actually played drums on this version of the song. And while happy with the song itself, Peter and Gordon were not happy with the arrangement and the recording of this first version, as Paul explains in 1969. We did a great version the first time we did it. Only Gordon couldn't get the high notes and he was sort of... But it, it was all right, though. It was okay. It was just we were so fussy. We thought this is the song, you know, this is the one. And we were so fussy about it that uh, we chucked it, jacked it in, you know, and just let them go and do it again. But they did it the next time. It was a mammoth Peter and Gordon That's treatment. Right. Remember it, Glenn? It's yeah. too, too sort of big and. It's nice. Yeah. I don't know, we were very fussy at the time, didn't like it, so it got turned into a mammoth ballad. It's a great song. Woman, do you love me? Woman, if you need me, then believe me, I need you to be my woman. Woman, do you love me? Ask me how I'm doing What shall I say? Things are okay Well, I know that they're not And I still may have lost Woman, do you love me? Woman, if you need me Then believe me I need you to be my Take your time and tell me When we're alone Love will come home I would give up my world If you'll say that my girl Is my woman Got plenty of time, got plenty of time just to get through it. Once again, you'll be mine. Once again, you'll be mine. I still think we can do it, and you know how much I love you, woman. Don't forsake me. 
woman If you take me then Believe me I'll take you Despite topping the charts in Canada, the single failed to fire in the UK or the US, reaching a lowly number 28 and number 14 respectively. And as for the attempt to hide Paul McCartney's involvement in the writing of the tune, the fact that the publishing credit was given to Northern Songs, John Lennon and Paul McCartney's publishing company, meant that the so-called secret was not a secret for very long. It would be the last ever Beatle composition for Peter and Gordon. By 1966, the Beatles were no strangers to the movie business, having starred in two of their own already. While filming in Spain for How I Won the War in late October 1966, John told Fred Robbins that the next Beatles film project would not see any of the Fab Four on the screen, nor would there be any new Beatles songs attached. When are you going to be doing uh, another tour, do you know? No idea. I know we've got music to write as soon as we get back. And Paul's just signed us up to write the music for a film. So I suppose it's off the plane and into bed and knock, 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 get up and write some songs. A film that's not your own? Yes. Very exciting. Uh, all in good time with, they've made it. Now what's the name, what's the name of her in it? Hayley Mills. Hayley Mills, that's it, she's in it. Oh, so Bert Backlash's going to have a little competition, huh? Uh, it's about time. <laughs> I think you're right, Jack. The title used by John, All in Good Time, was a 1963 play by Bill Norton which had grown out of a 1961 television play called Honeymoon Postponed, a comedy farce about a northern English newlywed couple having to live with the groom's parents for financial reasons. Later picked up by film director Roy Bolting, the film would star the up-and-coming Hayley Mills and Highwell Bennett and would be renamed The Family Way. While the movie and the soundtrack album's cover was proudly emblazoned with Paul McCartney's name, in fact, he had little to do with the actual writing of the music. Paul and George Martin began working on the project in November 1966, around the same time of Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane and pre-Sergeant Pepper. Paul wrote a couple of small pieces, which were then scored by George Martin and recorded by the George Martin Orchestra, utilising string arrangements and a little bit of brass band as a nod to the story's Northern English heritage. But the story goes that George Martin had to basically stand over Paul at the piano in his Cavendish Avenue home to get a small fragment of a tune for the film's love scene. Thank you. 
Love in the Open Air, from the soundtrack to The Family Way. While initially enthusiastic about the project, Paul blamed writer's block for his lack of substantial contribution. Perhaps preparing to record Sgt. Pepper had something to do with it. Nonetheless, sessions took place over three days in mid-December 1966, and a single for this piece was released on the 23rd of December. The film was distributed in 1967, and Love in the Open Air won the 1968 Ivor Novello Award for Best Instrumental Theme, perhaps another tenuous win for the name McCartney. Respected for his ability to work in any musical genre, another of Paul's giveaways was to a legend of the British jazz scene. Chris Barber came to prominence in the 1950s primarily as a trombonist and bandleader. However, he was a multi-instrumentalist and began his career as a bassist, working with Ken Collier's Jasmine, playing a mixture of trad jazz, Dixieland, ragtime, swing and blues. After several changes in lineup over the years, the Chris Barber Jazz Band was born and recorded its first album in 1954, featuring a young man on banjo and guitar called Lonnie Donegan. When released as a solo single by Lonnie Donegan, the Rock Island line gave birth to the skiffle craze that would sweep Britain in the mid to late 1950s and influenced many young aspiring artists, including a certain group of young teenagers from Liverpool. At a time when jazz, swing, country and Latin music would share the airways with rock and roll, it's no surprise that the musicians of the 1950s and early 1960s grew up listening to all sorts. Chris Barber was also responsible for bringing black blues artists from the US to Britain such as Big Bill Brunsey, Sonny Terry, Brownie McGee and Muddy Waters. British youngsters such as Peter Green, Eric Clapton, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards would soon come to champion this music, giving birth to groups such as the Yardbirds and the Rolling Stones. So this vast musical heritage would not have been lost on Paul McCartney when this early Beatles instrumental called Cat's Walk captured here in a Cavern Club rehearsal in September 1962, would be given to Chris Barber just five years later.
Retitled Cat Call, the tune was recorded by the Chris Barber Band in late July 1967 and released as a single that October. Contributing vocals, hand claps and probably some organ, listen out for McCartney calling out instructions to the band to play it slower before launching into the half-tempo ending. All the artists the Beatles gave songs to or helped with their careers, probably the closest to their hearts, especially Paul's, was Cilla Black. From the cloakroom attendant at the Cavern Club, who John would coax up on stage to sing with the band, Cilla had forged a career with Brian Epstein, George Martin and the Beatles backing her all the way. Having already scored hits with Love of the Loved and It's For You, Paul was enlisted to write a theme tune for Scylla's upcoming TV series. Inside, 
Recorded at Paul's home in late 1967, the original demo for Step Inside Love. At this point, the song only had one verse and a chorus, to which Paul would add a second verse after noticing how tired Scylla looked after rehearsals for the new show. Gathering at London's Chapel Studios on the 21st of November 1967, Paul accompanied Scylla on guitar in the presence of George Martin on piano to record a studio demo and early takes of the song. Actually, it, it could sound quite nice because the, then I won't have to bring my big voice out and it could be quite all right. Work fairly close to the mic and run through it once for luck and see how we. Okay, right. Well, there'll be all kinds of other noises, won't there? Run through it now just to try. Step, step inside, step in, step inside, love. Have I got to come out on my own? Step inside, love. Let me find you a place where the curves of the day will be carried away by the smile on your face. We are together now and forever Come my way Step inside love And stay Step inside love Step inside love Step inside love I want you to stay You look tired love let me turn down the light Coming out of the cold Rest your head on my shoulder And love me tonight I'll always be here If you should need me Night and day Step inside love And stay Step inside love Step inside love Step inside, love, I want you to stay Step inside, 
Step inside love Step inside love I want you to stay When you leave me Say you'll see me again For I know in my heart We will not be apart And I'll miss you till then We'll be together now and forever Come my way Step inside love And stay Step inside love Step inside love Step inside love I want you to Step inside love. Let me find you a place. Oh gosh. <laughs> Step inside love. Let me find you a place where the cares of the day will be carried away by the smile on your face. We are two. Together now and forever Come my way Step inside love And stay Step inside love Step inside love Step inside love I want you to stay You look tired, love Let me turn down the light Coming out of the cold, put your head on my shoulder and love me tonight. I'll always be here if you should need me. Night and day, step inside love and stay. Step inside love.
Step Inside Love was premiered on Cilla Black's TV show on the 5th of March 1968 and released as a single on the 8th. It would reach number 8 in the British charts a month later. Step inside love Let me find you a place Where the curse of the day will be carried away By the smile on your face We are together now and forever Well, that's it for this episode. Next time we gather at a freezing Twickenham Film Studios to hear the Beatles begin rehearsing, filming and recording their next movie and album project. Until next time, 